Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Hot Rods! What's happening, dude? Richard! What's going on, Upset? Guys, I tell you what, we're talking about car myths, and some of these things are absolutely hilarious. Yes, yes, uh, which brings us to our next one. Bigger is safer. Bigger cars uh, are a safer car. At one time, I think everybody's parents thought that. I think everybody's parents still think that. That's not the truth, though. No. I mean, cars are made to take a hit now. Yeah. No, I mean, if you jack the truck up above normal riding traffic you're probably better off but now i will say this on this in the in the defense of this most of the time i agree with all of that but this is my thing i think an suv things that sit up higher may be a little safer now you got the high center of gravity now thing, you have a high center of gravity going on here right? but how about driving under a trailer like a, on, on the interstate or something like that you know honda Accord go right under there yeah a dodge durango wouldn't yeah SUVs, I think it's a perception of safety. Um, a lot of it's marketing. Um, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, they're marketed as, you know, big trucks are safe, and they're not. Um, I mean, some of them are, you know, any modern car is going to be pretty safe, but the fact that it's bigger and higher doesn't mean that it's safer. Like you said, I mean, if center of gravity is higher, in many ways, it's much less safe. Yeah, you can flip it now, which... There again, like we had Suzuki Samurais back in the day. No, those aren't safe. No, no, those aren't safe. <laughs> They're not safe. Period. Not safe at any speed. <clears throat> those those things aren't safe to even just sit in. Yeah, they're not safe sitting on the dealership parking lot. Do you remember the guy that went to Wade Hampton, Robert Burnett, that had the one with Dayton's on it? Vaguely, a navy I would have blue, never thought of that. Until that's you said that's, it. My, that's a, my hero. A navy blue Suzuki Samurai with 15 inch chrome Dayton. That's my hero in and life. And four 15s in the back. That's my hero in life. I'm there here. There couldn't to have been a back seat back there. No, 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 no. It wasn't. Well, well, that that sounds safe. Well, you know, you know knock off wire wheels on a four wheel drive can. Yeah, <laughs> literally a tin can. There's more metal in a 22-ounce beer can. There's more metal in those wheels than there was in the car. Yeah, really? Oh, that's scary. So I think it's safe to say that uh, that's, a, that's a horrible myth. Yeah, that is. Bigger, bigger is, is not safer. safer. Um, all right, so let's move, around, uh, move along to the next one. Uh, technology will save your life in a car uh, against bad drivers, which is all your side mirror cams, your backup cams, all your sensors and all that. I'm going to have to go with yeah. I do not I do not think so. And here's my argument because I don't think it will. My lane correction stuff on my Silverado catches me every day. Yeah. I think you're both right. Um I love backup camera and lane assist and all that, but uh I mean you, you can, think about it. I mean I can, can take do, both hands off the wheel and just ride. You can still die though in any of these vehicles. Like you don't want to get a false sense of safety. And I'm with like, you. You there. still gotta drive your car. You still gotta, you know, not be a jackass. Well, and you'll have that, you know, I mean, you'll have these guys that are, I mean, you've got to pay attention. You know, it's not a self-driving car. These are just safety. 
They're a safety feature. All right, so yeah, I'm glad you said it that way too, because let's fast forward into the future. Something I, I talk about a good bit on here: self-driving cars. Oh Lord, don't get that rant. Well, started. N- no, I mean they're basing they're basing their whole premise off these safety functions are good enough to make it where you don't have to drive. This is my argument. America has been in love with the automobile since they started rolling off the line. Why do you want to stop? That's like saying, hey, we made this machine that will run for you, so you just hop on it and it jogs for you. Well, you're taking the fun out of it. This is the thing. I mean, driving is a is a privilege. And, you know, it's part of becoming an adult, you know, getting your driver's license. Every teenager, you would think for the most part, would want a driver's license. Well, I they mean, want to drive. I mean, you know, hunting is fun, but I like going to the store and picking up my food already done. See, I think this is the millennial thing coming out in here, Audra. No, 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 no. I'm playing devil's advocate because I do not want a self-driving car. I don't want a self-driving no, car. No, I wouldn't get I'm in just, a self-driving I'm car. Just, I'm just simply playing devil's advocate. There's some people out there who maybe don't enjoy driving, who don't enjoy the automobile. Well, they have something for those people. It's called the bus. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Or but, Uber. Or stay at home. Or ride with somebody else. But the popularity and the time constraints, I see it, uh, especially inner city, inner city travels, you know, taking the human uh, error out of the equation. However, I do not agree with it because now you're just giving up all your rights in a car in hopes that this thing can do what it is supposed to do. Well, this is my thing. I love my iPhone. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to, like, cut it off and reset it every once in a while. You can't do that to your car going down the road. No, traveling down I-85, you cannot simply just reset your car. Yeah. So Yeah, it's just don't go dumb and start running into things. Uh, um, me and my girlfriend were talking about, uh, we were going on a little day trip a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about both of our fathers <coughs> swear by cruise control, and neither of us use it. Um I don't, I've never used cruise I control. I hate cruise control. I don't feel like I'm in control of the car. Uh, you know, you're not playing a video game. I don't like this feeling of momentum that I'm not in control of. Yeah, I mean, and I've never really understood cruise control. You know, I think that's why people that are such a fan of driving do not do well in the passenger seat. Is because I'm you feel you, you feel, you know, you feel the momentum. You feel the 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 g forces, if you will. And you're not in control of that. You're not operating how that works. So I think that's why, you know, people, especially like most of us sitting in this room right now. Translation, control freaks. Exactly. Behind the wheel. But I I think that's why I think it's safe to say every one of us in this room have a real problem riding shotgun with anybody because we're not in control any longer. How is that going to feel inside a fully automated car? Oh, terrifying. That's how... And even Ford talking about the one where you can remove your steering wheel and pedals and sit in the trunk for optimum room. Why would you want to sit in the trunk? Sit the, sit the Hell, I don't want to see what it hits either. You know? Yeah, no, no, really. It's no, like sit, getting in the back of the plane. No, set the, pe- <laughs> set the pedals and the steering wheel in the trunk. Oh, they'll have a, that they'll makes have a, a lot more sense. So you have free room. <laughs> If, if it would just listen. So, no, but so you'd have the free You're room. telling me you never rode in the trunk of a car, Richard? <laughs> not, not, not by choice. <laughs> well, see, there, there was that one time. All you, all you have to do is buy a station wagon because they, they give you trunk space seating. Yeah, technically. <laughs> Get in the back, kids. I, I've made that trip. I have too, looking backwards out the back glass. You're just laughing at everybody behind you. Picking your nose, <laughs> messing with people. I love it. It's good times. 
So let's move along to a, another myth. Um, I, th- I like this one, actually. If you hold on one second. Supercars are the fastest cars on the planet. Talking about your Ferraris, your Lamborghinis. Oh, no, this has been proven wrong several times. How about the Dodge Demon? It's actually the fastest car on the planet. It's, it's the quickest. Yes, yeah, the quickest, not the fastest. But this is the the thing with this. There's a lot of supercars that aren't really that super. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. It's just the name. No, the, this, but this is a common misconception. This is a common myth that has been commonly proven wrong. Well, how about, how about in the 70s? You know, the Little Red Express was actually the fastest production vehicle. Yeah, fastest uh, sold in America, which, yeah. I mean, yeah, they were selling Ferraris and stuff here. I mean, back in those days, a Ferrari only had 230 horsepower or so, and it didn't start making power until 6,000 RPM. Well, Magnum P.I. wasn't getting into trouble. And, uh, they weren't that fast then. Uh, really, up until even the 90s, I mean, we had cars that finally would break 200 miles an hour, but they had like 380, 400 horsepower. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, I mean, they're like small displacement V10s and things like that. I mean, it's nothing really that exciting. I think the impressive thing about supercars beyond the looks is they do it often with small displacement, and they're geared in a way where the cars are not torque monsters. They're not going to leave the line and just be stellar amazing. But in open road, you can travel damn near 300 miles an hour. Well, they're not hitting that 300-mile-an-hour mark. I'm saying if you had, like, 20 miles of open road, they'll just keep climbing and climbing. It's nothing to go 200 miles an hour in a supercar. No, it's not. But you can also do the same thing in a CTSV. Yeah, absolutely. All right. But I'm I'm just saying I think that's the impressive end of the supercar. I'll I'll tell you another same thing we got to do. What's that? we got to break for a commercial break. Do we? Yes. All right. All right, guys, stay tuned. We're talking car myths. Right here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour. All right, guys, welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Odd Rod! What's happening? Now, I'll cut you off a little bit because we were talking about Cadillacs. Yeah, well, I mean, we're you know we're talking about supercars here, and the myth is that supercars are some of the fastest cars ever made, and it's just not true. I mean, you're talking about with Chevrolet rolls off Corvettes, they'll eat them alive all the time. Which, I mean, I'll be honest with you, the Corvettes came a long way over the years, though. It has, but for a long time, it would eat supercars. It that, would run with them. The ZR1s that, that and things like that. That was its job. That was why it was made, is to run with them. But, you know, take it one step further. Step over to GM's luxury department. Look at the Cadillac, the CTSV. Right out of the box, 199 miles an hour. Very true. A yeah. luxury a luxury car. I mean, will, it is the performance model of it, but yes. Regardless. But it's not a supercar by any stretch no, of the imagination. No, it is a luxury four-door sedan. That will run with your half a million dollar Ferrari all day. They used to make wagons too. Yeah, there you go, a station wagon, right out of the box that will hang with a Ferrari. A Ferrari at what a fifth of the price, easily. Depends on the Ferrari. Depends yeah. on the Ferrari, but it's, it's cheaper. It's a lot it's cheaper. Way cheaper. So I mean, I just I think this myth that has been busted time and time again. A supercar is not the fastest car. Now, are they quick? Yes, they are. They are quick. But it's a top-end quickness. Well, that, another thing with them is the prestige it goes with them. I think that's, it's a name game. You know, I really don't care uh, when I can take a, you know, a Supra and a few dollars worth of horsepower adders and outrun your Ferrari. Well, no, and that's cool, but you buy that car, it's the prestige that goes with it. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm with you is. there. You know, I mean... I mean, if, if we. I mean, if you just want to get technical, a pleather jacket and a leather jacket—they both do the same thing, and they look similar. 
Truth. Right. Mr. Prestige. I want a leather coat. Would and, you rather have a supercharged Mustang GT or a Ferrari 458? Well, I don't want Mustang, so Ferrari 450. <laughs> I think I'd still go with the Ferrari 458 yeah, anyway. I mean, but, I mean, and it's just a song on what you're into. I mean, yeah, it can be beat. Oh, yeah. But. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's just a simple thing that they are not the fastest thing around. No. No, no. The, the rest of the world has caught up with them quick. Yeah. Um, they, they really have to do some more impressive things. Those tricky Italians. Those tricky Italians. All right, so let's move, on, move along to another myth. And this one is it's very interesting because this is kind of more of a marketing ploy uh, that all SUVs are pretty good off-roading because they're all advertised that way. Well, Man. the majority of them now are crossovers. Yeah, yeah. they're cars. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, a lot of them are front-wheel drive-based. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the new Pathfinder. I'll be honest with you. Have you ever seen a suburban go off road? <laughs> That's not a good thing. No, it's not. But, but you know, all SUVs are not good off roading. No, no, no. I'll be honest with you. Probably the majority of them are not good well, off roading. What's the new little Jeep they got? Uh, was it a Jeep? Uh, Command? Renegade. The, Renegade. Yes, with the little X tail lights. Yeah. They advertise that going off road. They tra- they got a little trail rated Jeep badge on it. Yeah, just because it's got trail rated on it, don't necessarily mean you need to go to Teleco with it. You know, what I mean exactly. That's my point. Well, even like that's my Jeep. Look at Range Rover. They advertise taking now. These- that's a whole other ball game. Now. It is. That's a high end uh, off roading because that'll cost those, you dearly. Yeah. Well, those things though. Those guys they have like Land Rover like meets. Like they drive over logs and stuff with their eighty thousand dollar Range Rover, which blow my mind. I just, I, I just want to show up in a hundred and what are they, hundred and twenty five, twenty eight thousand dollar signature series range. Oh yeah, if you get one loaded out, supercharged and all that, and like, I mean, it looks like a performance car. And then but roll up you the can drive more. this thing. Yeah, I yeah, mean, you could drive it up the wall. Roll it built more. And they're durable. They're they're strong. Um, that little Jeep thing that that rivals the Aztec, I think, for one of the ugliest cars ever made. I'm not, I'm not gonna say ugly. It's ugly. Here's a cool thing, and, and here's a cool thing, and either even uh, renegade owners may not know this. This is a neat little Easter egg Dodge did on these things that I actually kind of like them because of this. If you're looking at the back glass, the very back glass, uh, where the third brake light sits, off to the right of it, there, you know, the little black uh, around all the windows, everyone, yeah, the little pixels around there, it goes into a mountain range, and there's a little Sasquatch climbing the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> you got that close to one. Yeah, I two did. of them, just to make sure it was on all of them. Oh, but but yeah, I thought that was a cool little marketing ploy. <laughs> but you know, all, all these ever, all these, uh, all these vehicles. I like guess this you have are, to believe in Sasquatch if you think this thing's gonna be good on the trail. <laughs> that's about <laughs> the truth. Uh, maybe that's the only people that find Sasquatch is people go off roading like their renegades. Stuck in their renegades. Yeah, that's, that's when you see Sasquatch. You gotta be off roading. Maybe they'll give you a hand if you get stuck. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what it is. Well, no. And, and, that's, and that's another thing, you know, with SUVs. I really, I mean, if you sit and think about it, other than hauling people and stuff, what is really you're gaining from an SUV? Uh, other than just pure cargo room, nothing. I mean, really and truthfully. Fake I mean, sense of safety. Maybe because mom don't want a minivan. Just gives her another I, option. I could see, you know, owning a, you know, like a Tahoe or an Expedition or something like that. Basically, you own a covered truck. More or less. I mean, and I mean if you didn't haul but now you a lot have of, truck economy and all that stuff. If you didn't haul dirt around and all that, and and you needed like something to pull with. Now, how about the little Subarus? Mm, now we're getting into an interesting debate. 
I mean, do you really consider that the SUV? I mean, they're kind of tough, but they're kind of crossover. They're kind of like off-road cars. <laughs> a little. They're like the El Camino of off-roading. Well, you know, like you got the they, rally cars and stuff that are Subarus. Well, yeah. That you know, mean, so. Yeah. I mean, they're tough. But I, I think it's safe to say that, no, not all SUVs are created equal in, no. in terms of off-roading. No, I'm with you there. As a matter of fact, uh, they're not even... Uh, not even uh, remotely good, really. As a rule. As a rule, yeah. So let's. Uh, I think we got time for another quick one to slide in here on the myth thing. Um, tune-ups are important. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with, glad you picked up where I was going with that. Well, with your older cars, very important. They're extremely important. I mean, you got to think about. It. They're not. They're not as efficient. Yeah. Um. Now you got cars with you know platinum and all the new style plugs, and I'll be honest with you, cars run a lot cleaner than they did yeah. back in the day. So well, nowadays you don't even change all your spark plugs anymore. You just change the one that went out. Well, that or I mean, you know, we're around a hundred thousand miles. You know, I won't stick a set of plugs in it. I mean, I've seen cars with two hundred thousand miles on the stud, the original plugs in them. Yeah, I mean, so this is of course they're again spark plugs for these cars. Also, cost twenty five bucks a piece though. Yeah, I agree. Now this is a loophole statement. Yes, change your air filter, change your oil, do all this normal stuff. But like what we think of as uh, common maintenance on an older car. Not really in How about the length of oil changes, how it's changed? I'm still a 3,000 kind of guy. I mean, I'll just change it when my Chevy does, and usually that's about six grand, which yeah. is nuts. Now, I mean, now, my older cars, I change it more often, but, I mean, that's crazy, though. Yeah. Of course, oil's come a long way, too. No, oil has come a long way. Fuel's come a long way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You used to literally about throw garbage in your car. Now it's... A lot cleaner. Well, you got to think about the oil too, the refining in it, and, and just I mean, it's so much cleaner now. Oh yeah. So, yeah. So I would in your say, newer cars, tune-ups really aren't that big of a thing anymore. I, w- I would say the myth, you know, is true that tune-ups are, you know, they're not that important really. Not anymore. People not anymore. It's a thing of the past, guys. I tell you what. Hang on, we got these commercials coming up. We and got, they are important. They are very important. Hang on, we got a lot more car myths right here on Hot Rods and Happy Hour. One zero six three W O R D. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. This is Rob Pitts. Hot Rod. What's happening, dude? Richard. What's happening, man? I tell you what. Tell this me. next myth has it's got probably me. got you miffed. Well. I don't even know why they call it a myth, but I remember, like, back in the day, they say automatics suck. And I'm a four-speed, I'm a manual transmission guy, don't get me wrong, I love driving a car. Yeah, absolutely. But, I'll be honest with you, drag cars, automatics. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's reliable. I mean, you, if well, you miss a gear in automatic, you broke it. There, there's a common statement uh, that goes around, and this is by no means necessarily always true, but it's good for this. Automatics are faster. Uh, Knowing the meaning behind that statement, yes. Consistent. Yes. I wouldn't go faster. Uh, I, I think with a new car, I'd disagree. Uh, we got eight, nine, ten-speed transmissions. Very true, I mean, too. This isn't 1984 when you picked a five-speed or a three-speed automatic. Got a you point know, there. Stock for stock, of course the manual's going to win. But, I mean, yeah, you take a six-speed Hellcat and you race an eight-speed automatic Hellcat, you're going to get smoked. I don't care how good you drive. Yeah. I, I mean, agree. that computer is going to shift it every time. And when it's supposed to, every mm-hmm. time. You, on the other hand, you know, putting in the user error of a manual, you're not that efficient. Just think about all those times we missed second gear in our uh, five-liter Mustang. I don't want to talk about it. I, my fastest pass ever in my last five-liter would have been my fastest pass. I missed second. 
<laughs> You're still heartbroken over that. Yeah, it really bothered me because it was still one of my better runs, even missing second. <laughs> he said, you know, it was still a good one. Do you one. really need second gear? I mean, you know. Oh, I've done the one-three swap several times. <laughs> second uh, gear was touchy. Yeah, especially if you had a Hurst shifter. Mine would pop out a second. I don't want to talk oh, about Oh, Lord, it. short throw shifters. Don't even get me started. That's a myth in itself. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, no, let's talk about the transmission thing, though, because, you know, automatics are, in fact, getting to be where they are better. In a lot of ways with technology, I think they're getting better. Are they more fun to drive? No. No. Well, Absolutely that, I mean, not. that's a no-brainer. You go buy you a $500 truck with a five-speed in it, and you'll have more fun in it than you can in a brand-new car, unless it's also a straight-drive. Well, but. <laughs> I mean, my big well, find me a straight-drive car anymore. Yeah. If it's not a performance car, you don't get it. You can't get a straight drive in a full-size Chevrolet truck no more. You can't get a you know, straight drive in a full-size half-ton truck, period. I don't that's think so across that's the board. one thing that kind of breaks my heart, actually. Yeah, I think what, 2005 was the last year for the GMs for a five-speed. What happened to the days of just having a cool old five-speed pickup truck? i tell you what was funny. One of the last, one of the, one of the oddest ones I've ever seen. My dad bought a 96, this is back in the car lot days, he bought a 96 Z71 Silverado. Okay. Hunter Green, tan leather guts, every button. Power ones, locks, power seats, 355 speed. Now, you want to talk about an odd rod. Somebody just an odd pick. They had to. Nobody would check that box. And everybody that looked at that truck walked right past it because of that. And I've also seen them five-speed with a V6 in, in, a, in a Silverado. I've seen a five-speed V8 OBS truck. I have seen that. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you an odd one that i seen. Uh, a friend of mine, and God, I can't remember his name, a high school acquaintance, um, had a short bed, short uh, regular cab, dually Dodge Diesel with a manual transmission in it. Well, I mean, that was common for towing. Yeah, but short bed, short, I mean, short everything. Yeah. Dually as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's something you see. I mean, you still see some manual transmissions in the bigger yeah, trucks. The big You'll truck. see them often, though. You're starting to see, it's starting automatics really starting to take over there, too. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. But the the like, it's like you said with everything. Technology has came such a long way i mean and that's the thing but look at transfer trucks they're all going automatic now yeah, there's which, truck drivers that don't amazing. know how to drive a manual transmission that's heartbreaking jay reed is crying in heaven right now uh, that is true. he's holding he's holding fred and uh, i think you know semi trucks and uh the guys on fast and fierce are the only ones that ever have 21 gears in the car <laughs> yeah and then the semi truck guys they're they're dropping like rocks so it's I just know. it's all going automatic it's just vin and paul now well well it's just vin yeah, and there's no Paul. Tuna, no crust, yo. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everybody hung their head down, man. That's respect, yo. Moment of silence in the so studio. Say, we, for need, that we need one. to get, we need to get, uh, we need to get Vinny to come over and bring a Civic and open the trunk. Yeah, so we can all pay our respect. That's right. Say a few not kind words. <laughs> I love it. So, can we all agree that uh, automatic transmissions are now better? I wouldn't say better, but they've improved. <laughs> All right, so let's move along to uh, to another myth. And this one, man, this one is a double-edged sword as well. This one will go against everything Rob Pitts stands for, and I have to say I also disagree with this. Cars are an investment is the myth. Cars are one of the best investments you can possibly make. Thank Collector you. cars. Collector cars. Yes, as a blanket statement, I will agree with this myth. Myth. Cars are not an investment. Cars are 
constantly daily depreciating thing unless you're into collector cars. Once they've reached a certain part in the market. But you got to think about it. These cars have went from new to used to Very dead used. to backup restored. Now, yep. once they get to that point, that's where the value comes in. Or somehow it's just dodged all the hedgings along the line. Or, or that car that, that never, yeah, it was just a true survivor. Then there's obviously instant value there. But that's where the value is at in collector cars. I mean, and then the thing is, look at anyone that's good with money. There's always going to be two things they're going to invest in. They're going to have cars and real estate. Yeah. Donald Trump has collector cards. And real estate. And a lot of real that's, that's Just saying. I'm just saying it's going it's hand in hand. You got to understand the difference. Uh, I used to be pretty active on the Challenger Forum, and uh, see these old guys got their 5.7 Hemi Challenger saying, "Oh, that's that's my retirement." You know, I see the uh, 70 go on Barrett Jackson for 1.5 million dollars. Well, there's a difference. One. A 5.7 Hemi is a truck motor. It's the base V8, and they make about 150,000 of them a year versus maybe 600 of the originals. Two, those originals drop like a rock in value to being yes. worthless. And just happen to come back because there aren't any. So like, we've talked about a couple weeks ago. I mean, I don't see, other than like a demon or something like that, I just don't see anything. And I today. think strictly because it's an oddity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, your ZR1 cars, your ZL1s. And I'll be honest with you, you're um, just now starting to see the ZR1s actually pop up in value. They were dropping like a rock, like every C4 in the world. You can still yeah. get a great one for 20 or under. Yeah. Yeah. Low miles. I'm talking about a good car. But, uh, I, I mean, you know, these these cars, the, the, I think they will find their value one day. I really do. They'll find their value, but they're All, never going to be... No. They're never going to bring mid-year Corvette prices, well, I don't believe. I think what this myth is referring to, really, and I, you see a lot of people do this, they will buy a car, and I know someone personally who does this. They will buy a brand-new car, get the, what, five-year warranty, and they'll ride it to rate about that warranty, and then go get another new car. And they think they're saving all this money. and all. No, actually, you're losing more money than anybody. Cars, see, this is the thing with this. This is the problem. People used to trade cars every couple of years, and you had those kind of people. The thing is, when you do that, cars are so expensive now, it's virtually impossible to trade cars like that and come out ahead without negative equity. Very rarely. Now, sometimes you can. If you put, if you traded in something that was paid for, then you may have a way out the next time. Or if you got just that Mondo super good deal, the salesman got fired because of you. That's the only way it's going to happen. But, you know, it, it brings me around. Look at these new trucks. Uh, you know, the new Ford, $100,000 pickup. When that thing rolls off the line, what's it worth? Oh, I'll tell you what you could do. You could go to any new car dealership and go buy a brand new car and take it back the next day and say, I want to trade it in on the next car. At least $10,000. There you go. Yeah. At least. So... What's this new Ford truck? Now, they may move the numbers around to maybe not make it look quite that bad, but that's You just lost $10,000 yeah. in one day. Instantly. In one day. Yeah. Before you made your first you, payment, you're upside you down could, in it. You could pull out of the parking lot and pull right back into the used car dealership, and it would be that bad. So, getting it off the lot, you're now upside down in this car. You are upside down in it. Which brings us back to what you even said, I believe, last week, if not the week before, 
is why you got the used car business is because you saw it coming when when Ford, the new car business yeah the new car business when, when Ford Ford's, started uh, actually financing the cars a hundred and twenty percent just to cover negative equity exactly I mean that right there and you start seeing you know these guys that have thirty forty thousand dollars in negative equity because they were trading cars every two or three years sooner or later it stops. And that's where buying cars is a bad investment. Oh yeah, that's a horrible investment. And, that and I'm always, I've always been the guy that's like, I will never buy a brand new car. I'll buy a car that's probably just fresh out of warranty, because it still has some good miles left to it. And you know what? The, whoever bought it first has took the hit. Usually, used cars are the better deal. Yeah, they usually are. I tell you what's not a good deal is these commercials, man. And they keep coming. Every time, guys, stay tuned. We got Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Right here on 1063 WORD. All right, guys, welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Richard, <laughs> I've got a good one for you. All right. Premium gas. Yay or nay? Is it an unnecessary thing? Does the car require it? I mean, does the car ask for it? I mean, I don't know. Does your car talk to you? Well, both of mine have stickers on them that says premium recommended. So that's what they get. But no, if your car doesn't require it, I mean, if your owner's manual says 87 is fine, you're just throwing money away. Um, a du- I agree and disagree. In a newer car, I wholeheartedly agree. Older car, I'm a firm believer in running high octane. Well, that's different. I, I, I agree. With I, you. To an extent, you got to stock small block Chevrolet. I'll be honest with you, it'll run off 87 octane. I mean, there's, there's nothing put, wrong I with that. I put high octane. And, and you might feel different. I put high octane like the Oldsmobile with the. It's still a small block, but the six six. Well, I mean, you got to think about it though. In seventy seven, I mean, it's small combustion chambers. I mean, it wasn't that might actually run off the alcohol. Yeah, it may run, actually, but but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It would run fine off eighty seven octane. The thing you also a thing you got to think about. You know, here in the South, we got ninety three octane gas, but you go yeah. out, you know, you go out west. Their premium is ninety one octane. So I run uh, I run high octane in everything though the wagon and the truck, which I think the truck is recommends it. Um, but the wagon, you know, just that's a no brainer. I mean, I pour like lawnmower gas in my truck. <laughs> I mean, it's like whatever, you know. Put a little two stroke in there, whatever. But you know, I agree. Unless for some reason it's stated otherwise. Throw cheap gas in there. I tell you the thing that's funny about the boo though is I usually run ninety three <clears throat> octane and I mix it with one ten. Right. And that car runs so, I mean, it runs fine off 93 octane. It doesn't spark not, but you can tell a difference in that car with 110 in it. Next. Oh, yeah. I think that car actually needs the 110. Just idling it will run a little rich with 110 in it. Oh, yeah. I love but, it, though. Oh, yeah. I love sitting in traffic and your eyes are burning. <laughs> I love it. Like, there's there's nothing like, you know, getting lightheaded and a little There's nothing high. like sitting there and be like, it's it's euphoric. Right? You sit there and you just look like you're crying up a storm. Someone looks over at you be like, what's wrong, man? Like, it's a bad ride, ain't it? <laughs> VP, man. VP 110 gets me every time. It smells good. It does. Oh. God, if they'd ever make a clone of that junk oh man you wouldn't be able to pry me off of you i know well th- i got to thinking about i'd lick it. your face they actually need to make that perfume because if i wore it, i'm sure there'd be a bunch of dudes just like hey man you got some mercy you gas boy, you smell good <laughs> you sure smell good man you got some racing gas by chance i love racing gas there's nothing but i tell you what's weird now you want to talk about the compression thing my truck you know the little big block truck 72 it runs like crap on racing gas really 93 is fine but it runs well, like I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't idle right on racing gas. It, it it's also basically a bone stock truck. Too. Yeah, well, that has got motor work done. Yeah, but I mean, another thing though is the compression was cut back so far. I mean, seventy two. This was the end of the horsepower wars. I mean, yeah, it was it was point. they were dying. I mean, she's two ninety horse. I mean, she ain't no 
ball of fire by any stretch of the imagination. Can we hit on another myth? Uh, and I don't know if this is a real big issue of people believing this or not. But to an extent, diesel fuel is not flammable. Diesel fuel is extremely flammable. I'm talking about in the turn, flash point. Flash point yeah, is a lot go. lower than gas, obviously. Yeah, like uh, if you're in a, a vehicle wreck and there's diesel fuel leaking out, it's not going to explode. No. Well, gas is not going to explode. The vapors is what explodes. Yeah. You won't get the same results off diesel fuel, though. It will light on fire. It will. And, I mean, it just has a lower flash point. Yeah, a lot of people just spilt diesel fuel. Or a higher flash point. Higher flash point. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people just get that misconception with diesel fuel that it's uh, so combustible like gasoline, and it's not. It's not. I mean, I mean, I don't yeah, want I, mean, I, I wouldn't let my kids play with matches around it yeah, still. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't try to put out a fire with it, but... And I'm then Richard gets all quiet. <laughs> I mean, if you're making, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, you have a hard time getting your hibachi grill started? Put your little diesel fuel in there. Yeah, my dad, actually, uh, he used to work for, uh, when I was a baby, he worked for Mobile Oil. And uh, he said uh, in a vacuum, he could take a match and just drop it into gasoline if you're in a uh, vacuum. Because, again, it's the fumes that are flammable. I mean, gasoline's R- liquid. Right. So, I mean, that, and that's that's the thing with gas is, I mean, you know, it's obviously that higher flash points what gets it. Yeah, I mean, well, you've seen videos online. I would not recommend trying this by no means. But, I mean, people putting their cigarette out in gasoline. My grandfather did it on the daily. Really? At the truck shop. Like, he, that was, I want to tell you something. Let me tell you about Jimmy Pitts. <laughs> My grandfather was the original <clears throat> badass. He was that man. Like, you know, he was rough and tough, flipping his cigarettes into flammable stuff. He didn't care. Nah. Talking about, he'd smoke a Winston with the windows up. And I'm talking about, I'm in the car <laughs> with him. Windows up. He'd be, be flipping his ashes in the floorboard. And I'm talking about like a brand new truck. That's just how he worked. <laughs> just that guy. I've seen that man. I've seen that man shooting at cars going down the road. <laughs> I was ten years old. That right there is a good childhood. Chick, bringing him up right. That's right. You know you're in for a good time with Pawpaw when he says, "Hand me my gun, Robbie." Hand me my gun, Robbie. <laughs> and what do you do? I hand him his you loaded. Hand, you hand I him open his the gun. glove box and I hand him his loaded gun. That's what you do. You you don't question that when someone says, "Hand me my gun." You give it to the man. Just give him his gun. Yeah, point. he's going to end up with it one way While or driving other. down White Horse Road, of all places. My God. I tell you what, man, you use a gun on there now. I hate <laughs> White Horse Road. Yeah. All right, so I got one last myth. Cause Where's I think, old Paul when you need him? Right. I, I got one last myth because I think I think we need we got room for one more to squeeze in here. How about um, how about new cars of today are boring? There's some that are better than others. But for the most part, I'll be honest with you, I drive by car lots all the time. And like you see, Accord, 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 Camry, Accord, Nissan Altima, Accord, Accord. These things are just, they're just kind of, yeah, they're different colors. They're cars. Yeah. I can make a performance argument on this, but in a generalized statement, I agree with you. Stop. I mean, and this was another thing. You got to think about it. Back in the day, every car was totally different. Well, uh, you got to think about the cars too. I mean, I don't think that new vets are boring, or you know, no, my but, challengers. But every sh- car, like every car's different. Though. They don't have the personality no, of older cars, not even close. For certain. I and that's where I agree with you on that. But on a performance end, look at what we've talked about today. Even look at what they're doing with cars. That, you know, a thousand horsepower Challenger, the you know the Demon, uh, which is what the fastest accelerating car in the world right now. 
You know, so if you look at it from that standpoint, where the technology has came, well, we talked about eight ten speed transmissions in your automatic vehicles nowadays. I don't think I don't I think it's exciting. Even without going to the extremes of like the demon, I mean that V six Accord or Camry that we all don't like so much will run a fourteen flat in the quarter. <laughs> hey, serves a very valid point. You know, Richard, we like having you on here and all. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah. I still don't like him. Hey, I drive a Cadillac, man. I was, you ain't gonna catch me in one. But <laughs> like, hey, I drive a Cadillac. Um, but you but know, the you know, good. He serves a valid point. I mean, I think the advances in technology, the advances in performance, the the things we put into our engines, the oils, the gases, all this stuff has come such a far way that I think automobiles of today and of the future are actually very exciting. Maybe aesthetically, yes, they are boring, and a lot of them are. But as far as the technology within them, I think it's very exciting. This is my thing, and I'll see if you guys agree with me. Any exciting car that's new, they're mimicking something from the past. Oh yeah, yeah I agree. Of course, they, they they're they're borrowing styling cues from the fifties, the sixties, seventies, whatever. Well, you know what they tell you: uh, go with your gut instinct. And I think back then they did that. So nowadays we're just having to follow after that because you know. Just like good music, anything good's got an '80s backbeat to it now. Right, yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. That's what I'm screaming. So, I, you know, like I said, I, I think this is a, another double-edged uh, myth here. Are they uh, are they boring? Are they not? Yeah, if you look at car lot, yeah, new new cars are absolutely boring. I'll tell you what, guys, give us your opinion. Find us on Facebook, Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Tell us about some car myths you've heard of, some crazy stuff you've seen your friends do back in the day, or maybe you bought one of those tornado things. Will it work as a silent shooter? Oh yeah, tell us about <laughs> tell us about all your great car myths because there's so many of them out there. I mean, like blinker fluid. No. Have you changed your blinker fluid this season? Never. See there, you're messing up. Mm-hmm. You're messing up by not changing your blinker fluid. I've always messed up. I just can't do that. I, I that's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Blinker <laughs> fluid, blinker fluid. Like I mean, like who came up with that? I don't know, but it's a pretty good one. Yeah, I beg to differ, guys. I tell you what, you've been listening to the Hot Rods and Happy Hour right here on 106.3 WORD. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.